Alhamdulillah Hamdan kathiran Tayyiban mubarakan fih Kama yuhibbu rabbuna Wa yarda Ashadu an la ilaha illallah Wahdahu la sharika lah Wa ashadu anna Muhammadan abduhu Wa rasuluh An nasihul amin Allahumma salli ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa man tamassaka bi sunnatihi ila yawmiddin thumma amma ba'd alhamdulillah ala ni'matil islam wa sunnah all praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the sunnah hadathini jama'atun min ash-shuyukh bi isnad kullin ila sufyan bin uyayna an amr bin dinar عن أبي قابوس مولى عبد الله بن عمر عن عبد الله بن عمر بن عاص رضي الله تعالى عنهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الرحمون يرحمهم الرحمن يرحم من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said in a tremendous hadith that those who are merciful they will be shown mercy by the most merciful be merciful to those who are in the earth and the one who is above the heavens, he will show you mercy. The ulama, they say this is because knowledge is mercy. The result of knowledge is mercy in this world and the ultimate goal of knowledge is mercy in the hereafter. In this hadith, we see the concept of al-jaza min jins al-amal that the rewards of actions will be dependent upon the deed themselves and also the punishment will be appropriate for the crime this concept we also see it in the hadith that we're going over the hadith of Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma we see this exact same concept that the reward will be in accordance to the deed. So in the opening hadith in which we just mentioned, those who are merciful will be shown mercy. So the deed is being merciful and the reward is that they will be shown mercy. And this concept repeats also in this particular hadith. Inshallah Ta'ala will mention at the end in more depth and detail or more explicitly as was aforementioned in previous classes but I leave you to ponder to contemplate as a review and for those who were not present for those classes then as an exercise that will yield benefit we have reached the, the portion of the hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Ta'arraf in Allah fil-rakha ya'alifka fil-shidda And know Allah in good times and you will be known in times of difficulty or Allah will know you in times of difficulty. Naam. The meaning of this, al-ma'na, the meaning of this, anna man akhlasa amalahu لله سبحانه وتعالى في حال رخائي that whoever he makes his deed sincerely for Allah سبحانه وتعالى في حال رخائه 
when he's having good times, when things are going good, when things are easy, when they're in times of prosperity, when they're not in, the, uh, when they're not in any type of difficulty, then, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will know them in times of difficulty. Naam. The Shaykh he mentions, he says that whoever he purifies his actions, he purifies his deeds, he brings the tawheed, he makes his deeds sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is key. This is a key point. And I want you to constantly remind yourself that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he gave these words to a young man. He said, Ya Ghulam, inni u'allimuka kalimat. Oh young boy, I'm going to teach you some words. So this is, these are life lessons. Naam. He is preparing Ibn Abbas for his life. These are principles that he is to take with him throughout the course of his life. These, these are principles. These are foundations that he is to have with him throughout the rest of his life. Is that when you have good times, when there are times of prosperity, when you're not inside of any type of difficulty, you have to strive to implement the tawheed. You have to strive to make sure that you're doing what you're doing sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in times when an individual is at times of ease, naam, wa wasa'atihi, yani yajidu al-khayr min Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in times in which a person is in prosperity and they find good from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wa daf'a dur anhu, that if they have ikhlas, if they do deeds sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, work hard and diligently, do what is commanded for them to do in times of ease, in times of goodness, in times of prosperity, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will repel from them difficulty in times of peril. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will repel from them difficulty and calamities when they strike them. And this is the reality is that if an individual wants to escape from hard times, if they want to escape from that which plagues them, if they want to escape from rough and tough situations, then that lies in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This and these are from the means. Because remember, remember we said that, that we have to take the means. We have to take the means to bring about prosperity. And we have to take the means to avoid harm, right? Well, from the biggest means in getting those things in which will benefit us is to have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be obedient unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the biggest means of avoiding difficult situations and escape from difficult situations then it is by having fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so for example if an individual is going through a rough time whether that whether that difficulty be financially whether that difficulty be yani, with their health physically or the difficulty be yani, with relationships as relates to others and so on and so forth what is the biggest means by way in which a person could strive to get out of that troublesome situation is by what? 
is by fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, do you see the trick of shaitan? How, for example, if a person is going through a difficulty, the shaitan will come to that person and try to dissuade that person from praying. Naam? To be neglectful of their prayers, skip prayers, don't worry about praying, don't worry about doing this, don't worry about doing that, so on and so forth, right? Also, the trick of shaitan, that if a person, and when a person is going through difficulty, shaitan will come and say, uh, do this haram thing, do that haram thing, let go of your, yani, uh, uh, what do you call it, let go of your restraints, don't restrain yourself, just do whatever you want to do, why not, might as well, right? So on and so forth, all of this is what? It will add misery to misery. It will add calamity to calamity. And Shaitan knows this. Shaitan knows that the, yani the, one of the best things that we can do in a time of difficulty, one of the best things we can do when we have a troublesome situation, one of the best things we can do when a calamity strikes is to be diligent upon the obligations, to meet that calamity, to meet that tragedy with patience and prayer. Allah Ta'ala, he says, and seek aid, right? How do you seek aid and, and, and help yourself? By patience and by prayer. Now, so one of the best things you can do when you're going through a rough time is to pray. To make sure you're studying your prayers. To pray voluntary prayers. And to pray more voluntary prayers. To tawar. Pray. To pray. To pray. To pray. And beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one of the best things you can do for any situation that you're in. Period. Now, and this is the reality. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, And whoever fears Allah, Allah will make for them a way out. Now, whoever fears Allah, Allah will make for them a way out. And He will provide for them from ways in which they did not imagine. Now, now, this concept, and I, want you, and I want us really to understand this, this concept about being steadfast upon our religion and that this is the way out of calamity, this is the way out of bad situations, this is the way out from subjugation and humiliation is by being steadfast upon our religion. This is the haq, yani, and this is the solution and the and this is the uh, the uh, the recipe for success, whether it relates to our own personal lives, whether it relates to our 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 yani, relationships with each other, whether it relates to the affairs of individuals, whether it relates to the affairs of communities, whether it relates to the affairs of nations, this is the way out. Now. All of us, we know, and I'm going to bring an example. I'm going to bring an example, right? All of us, we know the tragedy of what is taking place in Philistine, correct? We know the oppression on the hands of the Yahud that the Muslims are undergoing in Philistine. Their land has been taken from them. Now, an illegitimate country has sprung up. Which causes of Israel. Okay? The land was stolen, taken by force, so on and so forth. Now, and the tragedy is there. Alright? So a person, they come in and they say, well, what's the, what's the solution? How do 
the Muslims regain their land, their territory? How do the Muslims rectify their situation and so on and so forth? And then I want you to reflect back on this concept that if we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah ta'ala will make for us a way out. So what is key is having fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now I want you to reflect on the general state of the Palestinian people. Is it a state of religiousness or is it a state of people chasing after dunya? Now do we understand better why the problem persists? Do we understand better where the solution lies? Naam. The return, before people worry about returning to a land, you have to return to practicing your religion. And if that's not a concern for yours, then what do you expect is going to be the outcome of your situation? Our Palestinian brothers who are here in America, I'm not saying all of them. I'm not saying all of them. Most of them. I won't even say most of them, but it's well known from them. It's well known from them. Because I was living with them. No, I know. I know. You know better than me. <laughs> right? But what I'm saying is that it is well known from them, especially in the inner cities. Especially in the inner cities, in the ghettos, in the impoverished areas. Now, in many places, who are the owners of the, of, of the corner stores and the bodegas? Our Palestinian brothers. And what's sold in those places? Alcohol, cigarettes, all kinds of pork products, all kinds of haram stuff, right? So on and so forth. This is well known. This is well known. So when the likes of an individual and type of this situation now wants to complain about what's going on back home, the obvious response is, well, you are part of the problem. Because if we want success, we have to return back to doing what we are supposed to be doing. And everyone has to take on this responsibility. It is not just the responsibility of the Muslim rulers. They say, well, the Muslim rulers should be doing, the Muslim rulers should be doing, the Muslim rulers should be doing. But the Muslim rulers are from us or are we from them? They're from us. They come out of the general population of the people. They're not a class that, 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 that is isolated all into themselves and then we trickle out. No, they come from us. If, uh, if, if a ruler is removed today, where are we going to get his, his, his yani, the one to go after him? Where are you going to come from? The general masses of the population. So if the general masses of the population is corrupt, then how do we expect rulers that are righteous? Right? If the general population of the of the of yani are people who are righteous, then we should expect rulers who are what? Righteous. So if you're complaining about the state of the ruler, then complain about yourself. Because the ruler is a reflection of us. Period. The ruler is a reflection of us. We are not reflections of the ruler, the ruler is a reflection of us. In most situations, if you take the ruler out of power today and then you pick somebody else from that same population, most people who are honest will tell you we're going to get somebody who's the same or worse. Right? 
So where lies the success? In us returning back to our religion. In us returning back. When I mean return back to our religion, I mean return back to practicing our religion. The Yahoo know this. They know this. They know that if corruption is spread amongst the ranks of the Muslims, that this will yani, weaken us. That this is the recipe for us to not receive the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They know this. Right? So if we want success, then we have to understand these basic principles. These basic principles. Because these principles, if applied, the ramifications of them are far-reaching. The impact of them is great upon individuals and upon the ummah as a whole. So if that is a situation as relates to the rectification of a country, meaning that if we want to see Philistine return back to its former glory, then the Muslims have to return back to their deen in practicing their deen. That's the solution. It's not in protesting in front of United Nations. It's not in protesting in front of anyone's any embassy. It's not in it's not in, it's not in. It lies in us returning back to practicing our religion. So the blame is on who? The blame is on us. Person is saying, but the blame is on the Yahud. The Yahud just being a Yahud. It is being Yahudi. Right? Right? One time, and, and, and I believe I mentioned this yani, many times before, but I mentioned it again. Because it's, yani, it's a simple truth. A simple truth. One time in my youth, and yani, um, complaining, recklessly complaining about the kuffar unnecessarily. One of the one of one of one of one of the elder brothers, Jazahullahu Khaira, uh, Sheikh Abdul Muhaymin, Naam Al Amriki, he said unto me, he said, "Listen, man, because he got I know I guess I was I was being annoying, right, in, in my complaints." He said, "Listen, listen, let me ask you a question." I said, "What?" He said, when a cow go moo, do you get, you get surprised by that? I said, no. He said, what about when a dog go woof? You get surprised by that? I said, no. I don't get surprised by that. He said, no, because that's what they do, right? Cows go moo and dogs go woof, correct? I said, yeah. He said, so why are you surprised by the kufar? That's what they do. They're being kafirs. Why are you surprised for? They're dead doing them. So, if you, so in other words, and I understood. I got, alhamdulillah, I got it. Because if anything, what? Instead of putting energy into complaining about a kafir being a kafir, we need to put the energy in rectifying ourselves and doing what we're supposed to be doing as Muslims. Then we won't have to worry about all that. Because Allah Ta'ala, he says, whoever fears Allah, he will give for them a way out. And he will provide for them for ways that they did not imagine. They did not anticipate the, the escape and the relief coming from these directions, Allah Ta'ala will provide us with that if we want, if we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we don't fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how do we help Allah? How do, how do we expect Allah's help? This is very important because if we're going to be successful as communities, then it starts with us. It starts with us implementing what we're supposed to be doing. Now, it starts with us teaching our children these life lessons that they have to do what they're supposed to be doing. وقال الله سبحانه وتعالى الله تعالى he says فلولا أنه كان من المسبحين 
He said, and verily, if he was not from those, and he was speaking about Yunus والسلام, that if he was not for those who praise Allah, make, make, yani glorified Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he would have stayed in the belly of the whale until the day of resurrection. But Yunus when he was in the belly of the whale, right? What did he do? He called upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La ilaha illa ant None has the right to be worshipped the truth except for you. All glory and praise be unto you. You are far removed from any type of deficiencies. Verily, I am from the wrongdoers. He took responsibility for his situation. He didn't blame nobody else. He, he took responsibility for his situation. And he praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He sought the aid and assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He praised Allah. Because you know dua is of two different types. Dua al-ibadah, dua al-mas'ala. Right? The dua, we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the dua will be asked for things. If you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you praise Allah, if you make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by saying subhanallah, walhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar, so on and so forth. If you praise Allah and make dua unto Allah, like this dua that Yunus alayhi salam, he made unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will give you what you want without you having to ask for it. Yunus didn't ask to get out the whale. He just praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and took responsibility. And Allah expelled him from the way. You see? This is, this is, this is, this is the, this is, I don't know how to say it, but this is what, this is the power of ibadah and understanding your religion and putting your trust upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam? These are life lessons that we have to take very seriously. Ala kulli hal, he Praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He feared Allah. He praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala says, and if, and, 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 and if he had not been from those who praise Allah, he would have stayed in the belly of that whale until the day of resurrection. And this was a prophet. So now what about us? If we fall in a situation and we don't do what's right, then how do we expect to, to any success? But if you do what is right, then success is promised for you. Success is promised for you. And also as it comes in the story, who the rain, it pushed them. It started raining really bad, raining really heavy. So they, they sought to get out the rain and they ran into a cave. Now they ran into a cave. And then, uh, you know, the situation is raining, mudslide, all this type of stuff, right? So a big boulder came and it, it blocked the entry, the entrance of the cave. So they were, they were trapped inside the cave now. Trapped. They're in a situation now, if this persists, they're going to die. Because they're going to they're gonna starve to death or, or die from thirst before they starve to death even, right? So they were in a, a perilsome situation. So when they were in this situation, how did they get out? How did they get out? And he said that's Bab al-Ghar. It was it was it was it was blocked. How did they get out? They got out Allah by Yani seeking help and aid from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by Yani by mentioning what good deeds they did when in times of ease. Good deeds that they did in times of ease. 
because they remembered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in times of ease. So Allah will remember them in times of peril, meaning what? That Allah will help them, he will aid them in times of peril. Because those who forget Allah, Allah forgets them. Meaning that Allah forget about them? No, no, no. No, no, no. But Allah Ta'ala will turn away from them. They forgot Allah, so Allah Ta'ala will turn away from them and lead them to themselves. And thus the dua of the Prophet Sallallahu that what? Yani, uh, don't lead me to my own devices for the blink of an eye. We never want to be left to our own devices. In times of ears, they, 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 they did tremendous good deeds sincerely for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And here is the Tawheed. Because after they mentioned the deeds in which they had done, they mentioned that what? That this was sincerely for you. That, oh Allah, if you know that, that this was done sincerely for you, then get us out of this situation. Move the rock. Right? So we have to do what we do, and it has to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not for anyone else. Not for showing off. Not so people can hear about it. Not, not, not so it could be seen. Not because we want something from the dunya in return. No. Sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no exception. There is nothing else that will be acceptable. Ma'am. Ala kulli hal. Tawassalu in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bi'aman lahum. Saliha. Yani amanuha fi halil rukha'ihim. Good deeds in which they had done and doing good times. Yani. Fatawassala ahaduhum. The birri walidayhi. So one of them. He. Yani mentioned. How he was good to his parents. He was righteous and dutiful and good to his parents. A tremendous good deed. Tremendous good deed. So I want you to reflect. Now, we don't have time to go into the story, but I want you to reflect, inshallah ta'ala. Being good to the parent. Righteous good deed. Powerful. Powerful. Heavy in the scales. Now, from the best actions that a person could do is to, is to honor their parents and to be good to their parents. Now, amana. Uh, and the second one, he mentioned how he kept the trust. He maintained the trust, he kept the trust, and he returned the right and what was rightfully due to its owner. Now, he maintained the trust, he kept the trust, right? He was honest and there was property that was with him that rightfully belonged to someone else. He was holding it for him because the person wasn't around. And when the person came back around, he gave it to him. This is all yours. All of it. Now, this is a tremendous good deed. Being righteous, being, being honest. Keeping your agreements. Keeping your contracts, Annie, uh, fulfilling your contracts. Being honest. Giving people their rights. Not trying to cheat nobody. If this penny is yours, it's yours. Take your penny. If this million dollars is yours, it's yours. Take your million dollars. Because for the person who's righteous, it's just as easy for him to give back a million dollars or to give a million dollars that's not rightfully his as it is to give a penny that's not rightfully his. The same ease. It's not mine. I'm not going to say, oh, it's a, it's a lot, so uh, maybe I can hold it. No, I can get some. No, it's yours. Here, take yours. Not saying it's a little bit, so I ain't going to worry about giving it back to you. What you need a penny for? No, if it's yours, it's yours. It's not mine. It's yours. It's not mine. Take what's yours. Period. That is one of the most outstanding righteous good deeds, to be honest, to maintain your, 
your, your, your agreements and to give the right to the one who the right belongs to. Tremendous good deed, heavy in the scale. But to thalith, and the third one, he mentioned, yani bitarkihi al-fahisha, min ajlillah, ba'na qudratihi alayha, is that he mentioned the abandonment of a vile haram deed. Naam? He abandoned fornicating with the woman for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we go back, Yanni, to this, to this, to this narration, to this story, right? This was a woman who was the most beloved woman on earth to him. He was madly in love with her. Madly in love with her, right? The most beloved woman on earth. Any other woman on earth, he passed her up because he wanted her. Just this, this one right here, right? And he finally had an opportunity to fornicate with her and have illegal sexual relationship with her. And she reminded him of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She was overpowered. She didn't want to do it. She was overpowered. So she reminded him to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in that state, for the sake of Allah, he abandoned. He abandoned what he was about to do. And he was in position to do it. This is a tremendous deed. Leaving off haram that you can do. I'm not saying that a person wants to go to the club. He got dressed for the club. He went down to the club. The club was closed. Club closed. Corona. So he said, I ain't, you know, Nixon, I ain't go to the club. He can't go back and say, yo, that's that. I, I get that one because I ain't go to the club. Well, you tried to go to the club. The club was closed because of Corona. So you don't get that one. No, it's the person that he got dressed for the club. He, he went to the club. He put on the, the, you know, whatever oils and, you know, got smelling good and all that. And then he got to the door of the club and he remembered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, stop Allah, I can't go in the club. Stop Allah. What am I doing? He take his keys back from the valet. I'm out. Can't do it. Stuff Allah. I don't know what I was thinking. Stuff Allah. Allah forgive me. That's leaving it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He could do it, but he left it. He left it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is a tremendously good deed. So anybody who was being plagued with haram, I want you to know you can turn around. You can turn around. And the first step in turning around is just by leaving that evil deed for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That by itself is a tremendous deed. Then the Tawbah that follows it is a tremendous deed. And then increasing the righteous good deeds because you should do bad deeds, tremendously good. It's good upon good upon good upon good upon good upon good. You don't lose. You can't lose. So whatever you have done, I don't care if you've been doing it for the past 99 years of your life. If you're still alive, change right now. You can change everything. You can change your whole existence right now. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late as long as you're still alive. Once that, once that soul gets to your collarbone, it's about to come out your body, it's too late. It's done there. Once the, si once the sun rises from its place of, 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 of setting, it's a done deal. Right? Prior to that, you have time. You have time. So as long as you're alive, you have time. So there's never amount of evil deeds that you did that could overpower you. As long as you're still alive, you make Tova, it'll, it'll spoil the plot of Shaitan. And that's why Shaitan hates Tawbah. He gets you so long for so many years to do haram, 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 haram. It's stacked up against you like the Appalachian Mountains is so big. And then you make Tawbah, done, over. Shaitan hates that. That's why Shaitan like bid'ah. That's why Shaitan loves bid'ah more than sin. Why? Because people don't make 
Toba from Bid'ah because they think it's good. No one makes Toba because they pray Zuhur because they, they know that's a good deed. So Shaitan convinces you that Bid'ah, which is evil, is really good. You think it's good, you do it to draw near to Allah, you'll never make Toba for it because your mom will never tell you to make Toba for it. Why? It's good. It's Bid'ah though. In reality, it is evil. The Prophet said the worst of affairs. That's why Bid'ah is no joke. So when people come and say, oh, you sell it for you, Bid'ah, 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 Bid'ah. Yeah, Bid'ah, Bid'ah, Bid'ah. First of all, we know that's not true. Because it, it's not all you hear is bid'ah, right? But, alakullihad. Yeah, they said that little jidal, okay? Okay, we, let's say for argument's sake. For argument's sake. Bid'ah, bid'ah, bid'ah. Okay, yes, the bid'ah, bid'ah, bid'ah is, is bad. Because bid'ah is evil. The Prophet said the most evil of affair. Wa sharru lumuri muhnathatuha. Wa kulla muhnathatin bid'ah. Wa kulla bid'atin dalal. Wa kulla bid'atin fitnaq. The most evil of affair, no even to matters. The most evil. So if I keep warning you about the most evil thing, why are you getting mad at me for? That's the most evil thing, it's bid'ah. And bid'ah leads to what? The fire. The most evil of affair, no even to matters. Every no even to matter is an innovation. Every innovation is where? It's in the hellfire. Now, every innovation is, is misguidance, every misguidance in the hellfire. So it ends in the hellfire. So why you get mad at me? Because I keep telling you, yeah, don't go to the hellfire. Don't do things that'll make you go to the hellfire. Don't do things that, 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 that'll get you to go to the hellfire. Don't do things that'll get you to go to hell. Why would you get mad at me for that? For what? So where's the problem, really? Right? <laughs> when we look at these things in, 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 in this, and we have, to, we have to keep doing this with these, with these narrations, is that we have to look back at them and how they apply to our daily lives. We implement them in our daily lives. SubhanAllah. How will we benefit? How will our lives be changed? And this is what this is for. When we read through the Kitab and the Sunnah, this is not, this is not, oh yeah, we go to the masjid and we hear stuff like this. But this has nothing to do with our daily life. No. When you hear stuff like this, this these are the solutions for your everyday life. So now when you go to work, you know how to act because you have your manual. You've been learning from your manual of the Quran, the Sunnah, and the way of the Salaf. Naam. So now you know how to interact with your, with your, with your boss. You know, yani, if, if it comes, am I going to take this deal, not take this deal? I have principles. If the, is the deal Islamic? Okay, no problem. We'll take it. The deal has haram aspects to it? Nope. Not going to take it. It's very simple. Why? Because we have a, a, a frame of reference. We have a manual for our life. That's the Quran, the Sunnah, the way to Salaf. Naam. This is how we live our lives. And it's, and it's important because for some people there is a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Because there were actual questions about things that go on in their daily life that are obvious. The answers are obvious. Right? This person came, you know, and, 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 and uh, could I sell them? Could I buy the food stamps off of them and get them money? They got $100 in food stamps. I'm going to get the $100 worth of food, but I'm going to give them back $80. Is that okay? You really have to ask, is that okay? You're defrauding the government. You really have to ask me, is that okay? Apply what you know. I'm not asking you to go learn something. I'm telling you, apply what you already know. Defrauding people, cheating people. You really have to ask if you can do it or not. Right now, now of course you can't respond. I won't respond to nobody like that because that's rude and unnecessary. But what I'm saying is that that's how I want to respond a lot of times. It's like, are you serious? Are you seriously asking me this question? 
Is it not, is it not obvious that you can't do that? Right? But people don't understand why because they don't connect the dots. They don't connect the dots. Why they don't connect the dots? Because they don't reflect a lot of times. There's many reasons. But they don't reflect a lot of times on how the concepts that they learn in the masjid that they hear in the sermons on Friday apply to their lives. That's a disconnect. They don't, they don't connect the dots. But if we start connecting the dots, then it will help us in our day-to-day uh, -day lives. Yeah. But the Shaykh, he was on and he says, يعني, um, Allah So Allah Ta'ala, he removed from them what they were in from difficulty, meaning the rock was removed from the, uh, from the opening of the cave and they escaped. Allah Ta'ala moved the rock for them and they escaped out of the cave. And this hadith has been collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ, he goes on and he, and he tells the young man, in which we all have to know and understand this, really. The Prophet ﷺ, said, That whatever missed you is not going to hit you. Whatever, whatever you didn't get, whatever, whatever was not written for you to get, you were, you're never going to get it. And whatever reaches you, it will never miss you. This is very important, especially in our time when you have a lot of people who are suffering from depression. When you have a lot of people who are suffering from depression, a lot of that depression is because they are over-obsessing over things that have reached them, it was written for them. So it reached them. Instead of putting their energy in overcoming these things and moving beyond these things, they put their energy in dwelling on what they cannot change. So it leads them into a depression. Or they are upset because of things that were not written for them. So instead of understanding that this is by the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was not written for me. And what was written for me, inshallah ta'ala, is actually better for me. And is coming to me. And no one else can have it. Instead of looking to the good that is coming. They focus in on that which was missed. Which they don't have the ability to get it anyway. They can't change it. So these two factors a lot of times lead people into depression. <clears throat> A lot of times, clinical depression, so bad they can't, get, they can't even get out of bed. But when you start to look at and examine those things in which have them paralyzed in bed, you realize that the vast majority of them are things in which they don't have control over anyway. Things in which they can't change anyway, right? Or they're worrying about things that have yet to happen uh, 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 anyway, yeah, to the end of it. Understanding this concept is, is extremely important. Whatever misses you will never reach you. Whatever reaches you will never miss you. Even if you run from it, it's going to catch you. Right? Even if you run from it, it's going to catch you. Right? On a light note, how many people hear stories like that? No exceptions. No, no, it's no exceptions. No exceptions. But how many people you hear stories like this, right? Where they say, man, you know when the first time I met my spouse, I ain't like them. Right? You hear stories like this, right? 
My father introduced my father, Yanni told me that I should marry this girl. And I was like, ew, I don't uh, no way. Try to run from it. Try to try to try to run, try to run. But now what Allah Allah Ta'ala decreed they get married, the love of his life would never happen any other way. Right? But how many times people resist? They resist. That one, nah, I'm good. Right? But it was really better for them. Allah Ta'ala decreed it for them. And then it happened for them. Alhamdulillah, then they see in hindsight. This is just an example of how even if you run from what is decreed for you, it's going to catch you. You can't stay, can't, it's going to catch you. Exactly. You can't run from it. You can't run. All right? But it's a very important concept and it helps us in our life. وَأَنَّ مَا قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ عَفْوًا وَأَنَّ مَا قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ سَلَامَتَكَ مِنْهُ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَحْصُلْ لَكَ That whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not written for you, then it's not going to happen for you. If Allah didn't write it for you, it's not going to happen for you. نعم وَمَا قَدَّرَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ حُصُولَهُ لَكَ فَلَا بُدَّ مِنْ رُحُوعِهِ and whatever Allah has written that is going to touch you, it will touch you. No doubt about it. It must touch you. It will definitely touch you. No doubt about it. Why? Because whatever Allah wills is, whatever he does not will is not. And whatever Allah has decreed, it will happen and it will not be delayed it will it will not be skipped it's going to happen it's going to take place and whatever he does not write for you has not decreed for you whatever Allah has not written for you there is no road by way in which you will get it nor any path by way in which you will reach it. If it's not written for you, there's no way you can get it. There's nothing you can do. In other words, if it's not written for you, there is nothing you can do. Period. We have to know and understand this because there are times in, in life where there are things that are outside of our control. Okay? And we have to be able to accept that and to know that and to understand that and, be, and, and know how to maneuver. And then the Prophet said, And know that the victory, it comes with patience. Victory is coupled with patience. Now, you want to be victorious, you have to be patient. And that verily, the success or the relief or how would you say now the relief it comes with difficulty so if a difficulty comes no what goes with difficulty relief relief is coming the difficulty is is, is temporary relief is going to come now and that verily with hardship comes ease it's, it's hard right now it'll be easy later now and this is very important to know in life. These are life lessons. Is that victory is coupled with patience. If you want to be victorious, you have to be patient. People who are impatient are not successful. People who are impatient, they're not successful. And I want to stress this, and I want to stress this, and I want to stress this, especially for this generation of individuals who are looking for instant gratification. They want it now. 
microwave everything, right? I want it now. No, it, true success comes with patience. Comes with a lot of work and patience. It, it, it happens with time. Now, and that um, relief comes with difficulty. So if you're in a difficulty, just be patient. Relief is coming. Difficulties don't last. This dunya, nothing in this dunya lasts, right? Just like you drink that good juice, tastes so good, but as soon as it hits your throat, you don't taste it no more, right? It don't last. Good, good stuff in this world don't last. So just like good things in this world don't last, bad things in this world don't last, right? You come out the shower, you walk in really nearly, you're not paying attention, and then your little pinky toe hit the side and hit the corner of the bed. That hurt, right? Right? Yeah, I don't know about you. Sometimes you might fall on the bed. It hurt. <laughs> right? But what happens is that does that pain last forever? Not nah, hurt for a little bit and then, okay, it don't hurt no more. That's the nature of this dunya. Nothing lasts forever. Hurt don't last forever. Good times don't last forever. That's why it don't make sense for us to put a lot of stock in this dunya because that's, how, that's the nature of this dunya. Nothing lasts forever. But in the hereafter, in the hereafter, it's forever. So if you do good, forever pleasure. You do bad, you don't want to do bad. Period. Right? Like, and that with, in that ease, what yusrma al in that ease comes after hardship. If it's hard, the ease is going to come. Naam? And that's, that's how it is in here in this dunya. This, this is very important lessons because this will help an individual throughout the course of their life. This will help an individual the course of their life remain balanced, remain steadfast because they understand how things work. It's hard now. It's not going to be hard forever. It's difficult now. It's not going to be difficult forever. It's a calamity now. It's not going to last forever. Now, these concepts are extremely important. And then the sheikh, he brings some, some, some benefits, some points of benefits that we get from uh, this narration. Nah, inshallah, we have a little more time. I'll, I'll mention them quickly. Um, but it's very important that we reflect on them, inshallah, ta'ala. Uh, and that is the first of these is that whoever safeguards and protects the, the hudud, the limits that Allah ta'ala has set, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will safeguard and protect that individual in their religion and in their worldly affair. Naam. The second, and that whoever they are neglectful and they lose yani the, 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 the limits of Allah, meaning that they infringe upon Allah's limits, they don't care about them. Then they will not receive this protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah Ta'ala, he said, They forgot Allah, so, so they were forgotten. They forgot Allah, so Allah forgot them. So we forgot them. Naam. So if we turn our backs on Allah, don't expect Allah's aid and help for you. But if you turn toward Allah with obedience, with tawheed, with being on sunnah, so on and so forth, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, he will aid you. Thirdly, and that verily, the reward of deeds will be dependent upon the deed itself. So the deed here is what, and this is what we said in the concept that we're going to come back to and that we already went over but just didn't highlight. It, uh, is that what? 
is that the deed is what is that you preserve. So therefore, the reward is that you will be preserved. Now, the deed is that you preserve. So the reward is that you will be preserved. Another example of this is, Man lam yarham la yurham. Whoever does not show mercy will not be shown mercy. You see? So if you want to receive mercy, then you have to show mercy. Whoever does not show mercy will not be shown mercy. Because jazam and jazam. Because the punishment will be according to the crime. The crime was you didn't, you wasn't merciful. So the punishment is you don't get no mercy. You see that? But so this concept is important for us to know because it goes through yani, or, or everything. Yani, it's connected to everything. That the, the deed, the reward for the deed, will, yani, the, the, the reward will be in proportion to the deed or yani, in relation to the deed. And the punishment will be appropriate for the crime. The fourth, And then verily the abd. He has to single out his Lord with worship and with asking for help, aid, and assistance. And if you ask, ask Allah. And if you seek help and aid, then seek the help, aid, and assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fifth is Iman bil Qadr. Is belief in qadr. This is important. This is the Prophet Sallallahu He taught the, the youth. He taught a young man his, yani, uh, his, 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 his aqidah. He taught a young man to believe in qadr. He taught him his aqidah. Naam. This is a young man. So what sense does it make those individuals who come in and say, don't teach aqidah because aqidah separates the people. What do you mean aqidah separates the people? Aqidah don't separate the people. It's uh, the people separate themselves from what is correct. But Aqidah don't separate the people. If we want to be successful, we have to teach the people the proper Aqidah. Like the Prophet Sallallahu taught this young man the proper Aqidah. Naam? So, Iman and Qadr is very important. Very important. We have to stress, we have to know how to believe in Qadr. And because that has impact upon our lives. The sixth point of benefit is that verily the Abd. Is that verily us, yani, uh, the ibad, the slaves, we do not really, we don't benefit nobody, and we don't benefit, and we don't hurt, we don't hurt nobody. Now, we don't benefit, we don't hurt, we don't harm anyone, we don't have the ability to do so. Unless the benefit and the harm was that which was what? Which was decreed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from Allah ta'ala. So it's whatever Allah wills, not what we will, whatever Allah wills. We have a will now, right? But listen, our will is not strong enough to affect anything. You understand that? Our will is not strong enough to affect anything. The reality of it is, is that what we can't bust a grape in a fruit fight. Unless Allah Ta'ala decreed for us to do so. This is the reality. Now. But seventh is that verily nothing will reach an individual from benefit except for that which was decreed. And nothing will be repelled from harm except that which was decreed. 
Whatever Allah wills is, and whatever he does not will, it is not. Now, the sixth, or the eighth, excuse me, point of benefit is that verily, patience, patience will result in victory. That patience, the result of patience is what is victory. And that verily, uh, calamities, they end in relief. And that hardship, it ends in ease. Now, that hardship, it ends in ease. And also, 11th, yani, so those, those three, it was, was 8, 9, and 10. Yani, that patience ends in victory. It's 8, 9, is that um, uh, calamities will end in relief. And 10 is that hardship will end in ease. And 11, it shows the humility of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and how um, easy and gentle and good he used to treat uh, the young ones. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he gave attention to the young people. He, was, he had, he, he had a, a great concern for them and took time to educate them, took time to speak with them. This is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was a leader of the, of, 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 of the Muslim nation. He was a leader of the Muslim nation. He's Allah's messenger. He has a great responsibility, a great job. But he took time to educate the youth. He took time to educate the youth and to uh, pay them attention. And it shows us yani, the humility of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And also, 11th, or excuse me, 12th, is that... Um, now. Is that, the, is that utilizing the appropriate phrases before mentioning something important in order to encourage the people to pay attention. Now, we learn this, this is a teaching method. Is that the Prophet Sallallahu he would utilize certain phrases that will catch your attention. Now, and how, how did the Prophet Sallallahu start off before he gave these words? He said, Ya Ghulam, inni u'alimuka kalimat. Oh, young boy, I'm going to teach you some words. So by saying that, it draws your attention. I'm going to teach you some words. So now, Ibn Abbas, now he's paying attention. And this is how the Prophet he, he, he caught his attention um, prior to teaching him very important lessons. And this is an aid and a, 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 a technique that teachers should utilize when conveying important messages to yeah, their 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 students to their pupils uh, and the like. And then the Shaykh he goes on to get into the next hadith, yeah, and he, um, which is hadith of timely importance, timely importance about pay, about shyness. Now we live in a time when people not shy no more, right? Hadith so important about shyness. And the role of shyness in the life of, of a believer. But inshallah ta'ala will say that until the next class. Uh,